Good morning or good afternoon. This is Pastor Dr. James Sutton of Walking Truth Christian Fellowship Church. And this is Real Talk Weekend. I don't know if it's a trend or it's just something that is sparingly happening. But the Bible tells us that we're supposed to be the light and the salt to the world. The world is dark. The world is sugary. And we are supposed to be the opposite, even though we're in the dark world, but we are the light of the world. And the trend I'm talking about, and I would love to get some feedback on it, where we're supposed to be the light, the world has now seemed like it's the light for us. That we're following the world. We're trying to be like the world versus calling people out from the world. I know culture has a lot to do with church in any given time, but should it? For churches that are trying to grow, they're looking at other churches that they perceive to be successful and trying to follow their game plan. And it normally ends up with programming. The more programs I have, the more things we have to do, the more social events we have, we will grow a church. But I don't think that's the model of the Bible. I mean, we have very creative programming now. I mean, drive-by blessings, gas stations, blessings, uh, let me put your groceries in your car, blessing. And and, uh, I mean, just all kinds of, of, of extraordinarily, again, creative titling of what we perceive I guess to be ministry but my question is how does that act of kindness necessarily lead a person to Christ how does that uh, convince them that they need a savior how does that convince them that they're a sinner in the need of a savior Um, that the simple act of kindness draw people to Christ. And before you run to the scripture about love and kindness drawing you, you really need to read that in its Greek form because that drawing is a kicking and screaming and love and kindness is an idiom of meaning covenant, blood covenant, through the drawing of you out of where you want to be, I draw you through my love and kindness into a covenant with me. But again, I digress. So I just wanted to see what you guys thought about that. Uh, last time I got a lot in my inbox in my uh, Facebook. And you can always contact me at WIT. M-I-N at yahoo.com. And uh, I can give my phone number out then. And if you want to discuss this with me over the phone. Um, But I just wonder. Because churches are dying left and right in America. I mean, churches are closing faster than they're opening. And what's opening in their place uh, tend to be socially driven churches. 
everybody's looking for a place to take their kids or have a ministry that suits a craft. But again, you can have all of those things, the YMCA, uh, 4-H club, all of these places, and they're not really ministry. I think we've, we've lost the definition of what ministry is. But maybe we haven't. Maybe you feel that we haven't. It's just an expansion. But are we really winning souls for Christ? Or are we just winning bodies to church? Have we compromised in areas that we may not have should may not have thought about as being compromised? We shouldn't have done that. I mean, do do churches even talk about sin anymore? I mean, we do, but I'm not not even saying you know we're not no better, no worse. I always examine where where are we at? You know, uh, do we talk about repentance? You know, uh, all the roles. In the church clearly defined, what is your purpose? Are you actually going out doing the Great Commission? Or is it lightly hidden behind the programs and the ministries and you believe that that's the Great Commission? Do you have a personal testimony about you coming to Christ versus your affiliation to coming to church? These are just some of the things that I think about with other pastors and <clears throat> and it's cross denominational lines. It's not excuse me. <clears throat> it's not just um one denomination or another or a ethnic uh circumstance. It truly crosses social, economic and political lines with inside the church and Um, I think that we need to have an open, honest, and biblical discussion about it. And I I put biblical because we can have good discussion about this and never get any headway. But are we doing what Christ called us to do? Or have we morphed into um, what the world has pressured us to? to become we have a lot of pressure in America by our government and by the social change that's going on from time to time depending on what area you live in but things are changing and the standard of the church is almost non-existent it's like a goal post that keep moving just when you think you figured it out, someone moves the goalposts of the standard. I don't think we have a, a clear understanding now of when we talk about law versus grace and and uh, hyper grace or or standards. I mean, we just don't we, we don't know how to define those and use those inside the church. You know, judgment, condemnation don't understand how to use those effectively in the church because we're always trying to run from judgment, condemnation, and, 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 and we misplace grace in a category of sinners who want to keep sinning run to grace, and we just don't know how to um, pull out from the Scripture what that really means for a believer. 
and what that allows us and affords us to be able to do and not to do. There's no prohibition. Everything has become expedient. Everything has become lawful just because we want to do it. And even though we know that it's not biblical, I mean, you got churches now don't even have Bible study. Now, I don't, you know, we label it Sunday school, but, you know, um, when you go historically about Sunday school, Sunday school was was given to those who, uh, kids who could not come to school during the week, but they would come to church. So they teach the kids in Sunday school. That's the origin of Sunday school. Uh, came from England. Um, I used to remember the two gentlemen that started Sunday school, but that's not important. So um, I will interchange Sunday school and Bible study uh, being the same thing, unless it's just children, which it was form fashion for. But some churches don't even have Bible study anymore. Uh, some churches spend a lot of time uh, reading books about the book. Um, some churches talk against seminary. You know, uh, we've gotten to the point where ordinations are just um, ways to give people who are not leaders and make them feel important, give them authority, but but they haven't learned how to lead. And now becoming a pastor or any of the fivefold ministry, if that's what you want to call, has become such an arbitrary thing. It's just arbitrary. It doesn't make a difference. You know, one day you could be walking down the street, somebody see you blow on you, and you're you ordained. There's no testing. There's no standard. And and the worst thing that I think we're doing is we are lying on the Holy Spirit. We're giving the Holy Spirit credit for things it does not do, and then not giving it credit for the things it should do. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will testify of him. But the Holy Spirit is doing so much more than that um, in people's lives. And they're lying. Simply put, they're lying. They, and, and I'm at the point now, this is not uh, ignorance. This is willful ignorance to manipulate people, to control people. You know, I can tell when we are so want fluff and cotton candy and God to be our cosmic candy man, our genie in the bottle and our bellhop. When I post something that may be light and, and I do this on purpose just to see the response about anything under the umbrella of a blessing with your name on it, man, I'll get a, I'll get hundreds of likes. But when I, approach a topic and post something that is salt, that is correction, instruction, rebuke, just one or two people, three, four, may respond. And I'm talking about church folk. It's quite interesting we're at that age, we're at that time, where sound doctrine is not being adhered to. We keep trying to figure out how to get the numbers 
And why do we need the numbers? Not necessarily to ministry, but to pay and get paid. When your church spends over 90% of its money for facility, building, I mean building, and salaries, and only 10% for ministry, I can guarantee you that 10% is not being spent on ministry. You're just meeting to pay the, and, and, and see now the focus becomes get the people so I can continue to get my salary. I have a novel idea. Why don't we do it like this? 10% goes to the pastor, whatever that 10% may be. 10% goes to the building facility. You work it so you can work it like that. 10% goes to other salaries if you want to pay people. You know, depending on how large your church is, depending on what you're doing. And 70% goes to ministry. Now, if you're a small church, you should be maybe even 2080 or 1090. How much better would the church be if we focused like that? And I know it takes money to run things. But if the sole purpose of any auxiliary, I mean, I know auxiliaries whose sole purpose is to do events and raise money and hand the pastor a check. Well, that's not ministry. If you think about it, that's not ministry. That's creating money making opportunities. That's business. This is, I mean, just call it what it is. It's business. And it's a very lucrative business because the people that's doing the work think they're doing something for God when really they're just doing something for the pastor or whatever you want to call the person to get a check. That's not ministry. Buying sheets and selling sheets is not ministry. Frying chicken is not ministry. Having fish fries is not ministry. Having bowling events is not ministry. But they're lucrative. You know, having retreats, that's not necessarily me- What are you retreating for if you haven't saved any souls? Harvest breakfasts and harvest dinners. I mean, we have these names, these 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 pseudo attached biblical names to events. But we're not going out winning any souls. We're not going to the nursing homes. I mean, by no means. Again, am I claiming any um, <clears throat> self righteous? in in walking truth I'm speaking openly and honestly I mean we try to focus on James 126 and 127 that's what we do now there's a whole bunch of work to be done I mean like I said I've been in so many strange situations that I didn't think would be in the church but are heavily in the church you know um, wanting titles and wanting people to serve you versus wanting to be the servant Clearly, as Jesus said, being the greatest servant is the way you get elevated, is the way you move up in the economy of God. But that seems to escape us now. You know, um, in in a situation that I'm kind of near to right now, two good, young, up-and-coming ministers, and, and all, it's really three, maybe four, And all I saw in them was when it came time for them to preach, they would be on time and they would, I mean, one had a bald head like me 
And they would like come to church with their head shining when it was time to preach. Oh my God. You told them it was time for them to preach. It was on. You never could really call on them at the spirit of the moment, which I think is the thing to do because preachers, if you're called, you're supposed to always be ready. But that's neither here nor there. But these group of preachers, and I'm going to say male and female, when it came time for them to preach, when it came time for them to speak on Sunday, prime time Sunday, they'd be there. Um, revivals, they'd be there. But when it came time to walk the neighborhood or be out doing ministry in the neighborhood, the grunt work, go to the nursing homes, do all anything, anything that, that made them serve the community that they were in. For four years, I watched them have an excuse of why they weren't doing it. They weren't even coming to Bible study. And I stressed to the pastor at that time, how are you going to have leaders who don't come to Bible study? Then guess what I found out too? They didn't even give. Now, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking they didn't give. So all they did was want to preach. But yet, you ordain these people. One person, I was sitting in their ordination and I leaned over to a fellow uh, clergy and I said, when they make this woman a pastor, we won't see her no more. She going to do less work once she gets the title. And I, it wasn't a spiritual thing. It's just, it's just the state of the church. You don't have to be a spiritualist to know people. You just watch people. You can watch those who are eager to just get that title. And I'm telling you, three weeks later, haven't seen her since. But you'd have made her a pastor. And and see what we have to understand, uh, senior clergy, that once we give these people that paper, unless we're in a denomination, if we're just out here, you know, doing the non-denominational thing, which I think there's pros and cons of both. But when you're doing that non-denominational thing, there's no really way to get it back. Because they'll just go to another non-denominational church. Which we, and again, we don't call on people who come to us because sometimes we become so desperate to need help. Somebody walk in the door and they call themselves a minister or whatever, and we know they came from another church. We don't call that pastor no more to check on them to see if they really left. And even listening to their stories, we should be able to detect that it, that they are rebellious children. And now the rebellion is coming your way. Any minister that will come to walk in truth from the outside, I will accept them face value on what they say. But the next thing I'm going to ask them is for their pastor's phone number. And if I can't talk to their pastor, then I already know what time it is. This is the state of the church. We the men prefer darkness and even those inside the church. We're scared to exercise Matthew 18 to get the leaven out of the church. Paul tells us to get the leaven out, but we're scared to do that because we're so attached to the money of the church. So the body dies because we got one person here who called raises all the hell in the church, but we won't deal with them because they don't want to make sure I get a check. But then you'll find out as time go on. Their leaven will destroy the church, and guess what? You won't get your check anyway. Like I say, are we really the salt? 
Or have we become the sugar? Which is detrimental. Are we the light? Or are we purveyors of the darkness? I just want, you know, this real talk. Again, you can reach me at WITMIN at Yahoo.com. You can reach me on Facebook, James Sutton II. Go to my inbox. You can reach me at Walking Truth Christian Fellowship Church on Facebook or Let Us Reason Together on Facebook. But I really want to have a discussion about what's going on. A serious adult biblical discussion. Now, the one hope that I do have, because I don't want to end on a sour note, and I don't think none of this is sour. It just depends on how you look at it. A mature saint would just start thinking about it. An immature saint would be offended and, and, and say, I'm talking about him. <laughs> That's a whole nother story. But uh, the fact that Jesus said, my church, his church, his possession, his bride, he said the gates of hell will not prevail against it. His church. So by saying that, I must draw the conclusion that every church that calls itself a church is not his church. And what he's doing right now is closing down the churches that are not his church. And that's a good thing. Whether you have 20 members or 2,000 members, you can be his church. And again, programming is great. I'm not knocking programming. If you can do it, that's fantastic. But I noticed the larger churches that do do it, there's a solid foundation of some things. See, I, I don't I don't just look at just say, okay, you big church, you you make a church, you no. There in some of the larger churches in my area, there's a foundation of things. I look at their Bible study attendance. And and, and I, what I see is there's a certain group, maybe 20%, who come to Bible study, who come to pray, who do most of the heavy lifting in the church. And that 20% carries on the back that other 80%. So it really just is relative how large your 20% is and how um, the income base of your 20%. Are they professional? Are they blue collar? Are they retired people? It just depends. But with that, we should be able to work with inside that. If you got 20 people, you may not be able to do as many programs as a uh, church that has 2,000 people. That's okay. Because think about it. You can go partner with them and help. But no, I want to, I want the, the credit. I want the identity. That's another thing. Why don't small churches partner together on everything and go out here and, and do what God told us to do? Let Jesus be the marquee. And then people will gravitate to certain people in that function or that, 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 that evangelism. And they may decide to go visit their church. But everybody wants their name up in lights. But I have hope because I know the church of our Lord Jesus Christ will always shine. It will always be salt. And yes, it will have problems because if you read the Bible like I've read the Bible, the first century church was not perfect. But it was God's church. It was God's church. So saints, that is it for Real Talk Weekend. This is Pastor, Teacher Dr. James Sutton. Again, you can reach me at W-I-T-M-I-N at Yahoo.com. W-I-T-M-I-N 
all lowercase, at yahoo.com. We'd love to carry on this conversation uh, with a panel of clergy and lay people just to see. I think I'm going to talk about, um, there's a book called The Autopsy of a Dying Church by Thomas Rayner. I suggest that everyone get it, and I suggest that you read it and you develop a lesson behind it so you can prevent. See, remember, autopsy is about seeing why someone died, finding out why they died. Well, we need to autopsy some of these dying churches and analyze that to make sure that we're not heading down the same path. And one of the paths that will quickly get you there is you keep trying to be like the world, you're not going to be God's church. Peace, shalom, and have a great week. Look forward to talking to you.